This episode is brought to you by the ASIO Go app, free and exclusive to ASIO members. Find the latest industry news, updates, events, publications, resources, and much more. Simply go to your app store and search for ASIO Go to install. In this episode of the ASIO Security Insider podcast, we are talking about how artificial intelligence can generate actionable insights from access control data. As most listeners will be aware, access control systems generate and store an overwhelming amount of data. However, most of this data is never accessed or used by security teams for any particular purpose or benefit. However, opportunities abound for making sense of this data. With artificial intelligence, or AI as it's becoming known, security teams can uncover potential insider threats, change employee behaviour, identify faulty hardware and more. Our guests today are a mix of physical security end users who leverage AI insights and emerging technologies to enhance security. We have with us Sam Joseph, co-founder and CEO of Hakimo, a venture-backed Silicon Valley company that builds a force multiplier AI solution for physical security teams. We're also joined by James Kendall, Director of Enterprise Engineering at Swift Connect, Sama Elayan, the Manager of Global Security Applications at Netflix, Dustin Rabak, Senior Manager, Security Operations at Rico USA, and Information Digital Management Services Company. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm going to start off with you, uh, you, Brendan. Maybe if you can tell us a little bit about your background for the listeners who aren't familiar with you and who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brendan McFall. I'm an operations manager for Northland Controls. Um, I'm based out of Virginia on the East Coast. Um, Northland itself is based out of the Bay Area in California. Um, we focus on installing and configuring systems for the big tech companies in the Bay Area, the Apples, the, the Facebooks, the Ebays. Um, and what makes us unique is we'll install and manage them systems locally in the Bay, uh, but also globally as well. So again, I work out of our office near DC. We have an office in New York and Austin, Texas as well, and then overseas in Europe and, and Asia as well. So. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. That's all right. James, tell us a little bit about your background. Hey, so I'm the Director of Enterprise Engineering at Swift Connect. Uh, we enable connected access experiences. Um, I'm sure many of you are wondering what that means. Um, in simple terms, we provision mobile credentials in the Apple wallet or on Android and allow those credentials to be used across multiple systems within a building, be that access control, lockers, vending machines, secure printing. Uh, my background is, is a mix between the integrator side of the industry and the client side. I spent around 10 years uh, at an integrator, followed by five years um, with McKinsey & Company and Snowflake Inc. Okay, excellent. And Dustin, your background? Yes, sir. My name is Dustin Robach. I'm the Senior Manager of Security Operations with Rico USA, um, end user. So I manage the Security Operations Center uh, for our company and also manage the installation of all access control systems and the video systems for our company. That's for sales offices, warehouses, production facilities, and internally to uh, RICO for US, Canada, and Mexico. Um, and again, like I said, oversee our 24-7 operations center uh, that, that manages badging credentials and all of the alarm activations and, and monitoring. Excellent. And it's great, great to be here as well. Thank you. Great. And Sam, finally, tell us a little bit about your background. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I'm Sam Joseph, co-founder and CEO at Hackimo. Hackimo is an AI-powered security monitoring platform that monitors access control, video, and other security systems. Uh, we reduce nuisance alarms, detect tailgating, do remote guarding, uh, and generate actionable insights 
from your access control and other security system data. Great to, great to be here. Fantastic. So as we discussed at the intro, we're talking about data dump to gold mine, how artificial intelligence can generate actionable insights from access control. Now, we are all familiar with the fact that in the security industry, we are really, really good at generating data and infamously terrible at actually doing anything with that data. So let's begin, and Brendan, I'll get you to kick this off. Let's begin by defining what we actually determine as an actionable insight. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, historically speaking, we would look at gathering information purely out of a, a singular system, right? So let's use access control, for example. Um, and and of, oftentimes we would generate reports based on the GUI or the, um, the interface itself from the application, and they may have a couple of canned reports that we'd be able to spit out. Um, when we're talking about actionable insights, we're talking about being able to generate uh, data for specific use cases that aren't necessarily built in for the manufacturer. So how are you able to utilize the information within the database from the access control application or from a, a conglomerate of multiple applications to then um, create parallels and identify um, information that enables you to make smart decisions. So some of those examples could be um, looking at utilizing um, access control data for uh, space utilization, right? So how often are individuals using a certain space? Um, we saw a lot of this specifically during COVID, but now as we're coming out into a hybrid work environment, do you need um, uh, desks for all of your employees at the assigned office? If you're only having employees coming in on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, because everyone wants to work from home on Mondays and Fridays, do you need to have all, all you know, eight office floors open? Or can you contract those office floors and only uh, provision space to three of those eight because you're only going to have you know a third of the people in on Mondays. So again, it's it's about being able to go that next step and use data to make smart decisions um, to be able to ultimately the goal is to drive cost and and value savings back into the business. Um, you know, access control is often thought of as a cost center. So how are you able to utilize data to make uh, smart decisions for your business, enabling to go from a cost center to then a value proposition? Yeah. James, your thoughts on that? So I, I agree with everything that Brendan has just said, to yeah. be fair. Um, I, I think also it goes a lot further than physical access data these days, right? We're, we're talking, you know, historically we've talked about a number of physical access use cases, but now we're actually uh, trying to make decisions based upon multiple data sets. You know, we're, we're starting to leverage data warehouses. Um, you know, we're finding that uh, different, uh, different business unit, units are asking to see that data. And the best way of being able to uh, collate the data and make decisions is is in a data warehouse, right? Because you can restrict access accordingly. You can customize the data and provide access to the right people. And the, the decisions that you're making are generally um, more accurate because you're, you're, you're taking multiple data sets. You know, a couple of different examples. If you're trying to identify a fire alarm, well... You know, the, the, the traditional way of doing it would be, hey, you get a fire alarm alert and that's it, it's a fire alarm. But actually, if you can start saying, well, a fire alarm is, is defined based upon a fire alarm trigger plus a heat detector plus a smoke detector, you're starting to get a higher likelihood that it's a real alarm. Now, that's still very much within the security use case. But actually, going further than that, you can start to make decisions, say, on, on spatial or situational awareness by pulling in metrics from wireless access points and door access points. Because then you have a better understanding of when and where a particular person is going to a certain area, which allows you to then uh, create better experiences for those people, but also uh, improve your security posture. Yeah. 
Dustin, I'll come to you for this next one because Brendan mentioned, you know, it might be that we're trying to pull data out of an access control system to help us make better decisions mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. But the reality is it's not just access control. It's security in general that we're not very good at doing this with. And he, again, Brendan mentioned that access control was traditionally seen as a cost center, but security is seen as a cost center. And I'm asking you this because you work within an organization as a security manager. So my question is, how do we take security away from being seen as a cost center and, and show that there's a business case where we can demonstrate that security can actually be a cost driver? It can actually create revenue for an organization by helping to create actionable insights out of, out of data. Wow. Okay. So... And I'll give you an example of that. You yeah. were talking before about things like energy management and space conciliation and all sorts of things that actually create revenue for the organization rather than cost revenue. Yeah, so well, instead of instead of, one thing going back to a monitoring center, right? Yep. So instead of adding adding bodies to a monitoring center, you can use analytics and insights from the data you have and the AI-driven uh, uh uh, the, the utilization of the AI that you already have, and instead of adding bodies, you can take that AI and all the data that you've now uh, incorporated from from the AI tools, and instead of adding those bodies, now you can take the data and utilize the data properly to uh, keep the bodies you have or minimize the bodies you have to uh, create a more efficient workforce. And let me expand that a little bit. Um, you can mitigate your false alarms uh, on a much higher level. Um, you could take the data. Uh, try, let me let me expand on this a little bit. So you could take sorry. the data from. Sorry, I'm kind of cu- caught me off guard with the the cost center here. That's right. Uh, you could take the data from your false alarms. So instead of instead of having your operators focus on all those false positives that could come out of your alarms, uh, they could focus on the real threats, like the real issues that are occurring. So with AI-driven tools, um, a lot of those things can be assessed automatically. So all the time that you're utilizing beforehand uh, with your legacy access control systems, uh, you can cut a lot of that back by a very large percentage. So especially when you're expanding in the security world, uh, you could save money by dramatically by keeping that cost down. Uh, What you had also mentioned as well by, uh, even Brendan had mentioned as well with facility wise, you can incorporate with uh, building management, um, cutting down uh, HVAC, lighting, uh, things like that by access control and already um, having set uh, your access control for those set days ahead of time uh, based on utilization of those facilities. And I think that can cut cut and save cost and make it a cost center instead of a uh, or cost saving instead of a cost a cost center. Yeah. If I could add on to that, John. Sure. Uh, so we were seeing um, a couple of buzzwords in the industry. So we're hearing about smart buildings, uh, smart tech, and, the, and and prop tech, right? And so when we're talking about you know creating environments uh, and ecosystems that are integrated, a good example of what Dustin was talking about was integrating your access control system along with you know facility systems like lighting and heating. So let's imagine that um, you know now that we're in a hybrid working environment, no one likes to stay until noon on a Friday and everyone heads home early. Well, there's no reason to heat and cool buildings and light them and 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 in traditional lighting schedules would say lights turn on at nine and turn off at five but what if you're able 
able to adapt those schedules based on actual utilization. And then again, integrating your access control data. Now you're able to see, hey, afternoon, there are no more batch wipes in the building. There's no one in the building because everyone's gone home to spend time with their kids, right? Or work their afternoons from home. So there, there you're able to derive actual cost savings back to the organization. You're saving money um, based on heating and cooling that's not needed. And now able to then put that back in the business to being reinvested elsewhere. Yep. So I, I, I think it, it can even go further than that, right? Because we're talking about cost savings and value to the business like that. But there's also a huge value to the user. You know, the user wants an enhanced and more personalized experience. And the way you can do that is by deriving insights from their habits and trends, right? And, you know, an example may be if they were to book a meeting room in one location, you can be pretty sure that they need access to get to that meeting room, right? And if it's somewhere they don't usually go to, they might not have that big default. So based upon that data point, you can automatically assign the access to their credential to be able to get into that area, which naturally is providing them a better experience because they're no longer having to go and queue at reception. Okay, so they're straight into the building. But not only that, but the person on reception, the front of house staff, you maybe no longer need to have so many front of house staff because you're starting to automate that access based upon the data-driven decisions. You can reduce your cost for, for the amount of people at the front of house and also the people who then need to go to the front of the house get a better experience because they're no longer queuing. So there's kind of like a knock-on effect by providing the user that better experience. Yeah. So Sam, I'll direct this question to you, but any of you can jump in at any time and answer this. I'm asking you this, Sam, because your organization specializes on developing artificial intelligence to help solve this stuff. One of the biggest challenges with any kind of innovation is innovation itself. It's knowing the right questions to ask. And, and the reality is if you'd asked someone, you know, 120 years ago, how do I get from my house to the market quicker? They'd say, you need a faster horse and cart. No one would have said you need a Model T Ford until someone asked the right questions to come up with, hey, horse and cart's the wrong thing. We need a Model T Ford. If we're collecting all of this data... How do we determine the right questions to be asking of the data? Yeah, the big point there is collaboration between different kinds of uh, people with different expertises. For example, you need a, a data scientist or somebody who is good at looking at the data, generating reports on that data, and so on. But you need to put such a person together with somebody who has real security expertise to, to decide what questions to ask so that the, the data scientists can come up with some uh, with the appropriate answer. So to answer your question in, uh, in general, it, it needs the coming together of people with different backgrounds, uh, different expertises, and AI is progressing literally daily. And you need somebody who knows AI as well as somebody who knows security to come together. Uh, to use AI to solve uh, security problems. Yeah. And this applies to any field uh, uh, from an innovation standpoint. Technology progresses on a daily basis, and then you need somebody who can understand the new capabilities of technology as well as what's needed from, a, from an industry, from a domain expertise standpoint. James, before I throw it back to you, I'm going to come back to you for a second, Brendan, because you mentioned previously before we started the podcast, one of the things that's really important about this is being able to talk to other departments and other department heads within the organisation. And it would strike me that this is where a lot of those questions that need to be answered are going to come from. Because part of what we're hoping to do when we're achieving, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, actionable insights using artificial intelligence is to determine what are the real world customer challenges that we're trying to solve. And it's 
it would seem that the other department heads or the other departments within the organisations are going to be the people to articulate those challenges. And this also dovetails back into how do we turn security from a cost centre into a profit centre? So if you can perhaps extrapolate on that and just talk a little bit about some of the things that you mentioned around working with other departments to help identify and solve their challenges. Yeah, no, you're spot on, John. So uh, from speaking directly to end users, my first point of recommendation would absolutely go to the, the business heads of other departments and ask HR, hey, HR team, what is your biggest challenge today, right? Um, or, or go to IT, go to facilities, go to those other departments and say, you know, what is the challenge that you're trying to solve? It may be related to security, it won't be completely unrelated, but let me give you a couple of examples. So um, for us, we have a lot of Bay Area clients and we're seeing a lot of layoffs at the moment uh, because due to you know, uncertainties in the marketplace. Um, a challenge that HR may be facing is the deprovisioning of access to terminated employees immediately upon termination. Right. Um, if we were to build an integration from an HR platform to an access control platform that says the minute that this person is terminated in their HR platform, please immediately disable their access. Now you're talking about ensuring that you know bad actors aren't able to access spaces and get into you know uh, property and 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 harm people if they were to lash out following that. Right. So that is an example of how partnering with different departments can give you some of those challenges that you can then partner with them you know back to solve uh, from an integrator standpoint. Point, my, my then recommendation would be uh, go to your you know numerous customers and say what is the challenge that your leadership is facing you with and you owe a responsibility as an integrator to then you know bring those challenges together and say hey you know customer A I spoke with customer B last week they told me that this was a challenge and this is how they solved it is this something that you'd be interested in implementing to your organization I think sometimes um, end users get so focused on their ecosystem their their challenges and their systems that they maybe lose sight into what are some other applicable um, challenges that other organizations are facing that they could then implement um, themselves, right? So again, to summarize, you know, from an end user perspective, I absolutely advocate, talk to your other business units, identify what their challenges are and see if there's a way that you can work together to solve them. Um, and then from an integrator perspective, making sure that you're taking, you know, those challenges that you're learning from your various customers and sharing that information um, with, with your other, you know, customers that you're trying to service. Those are great ways to identify avenues for, um, for invention, like you're asking. Yeah. Sorry, James, you were going to jump in before uh, and add to that. That's good, yeah. I was just going to say, I, th I think the thing is data is a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. Right? Everyone wants to use their data and everyone tells everyone or their teams, like, hey, you need to be able to do X, Y, Z from the data. But people don't necessarily really know what they want. Right? Yep. I think there's a real opportunity for people to step back and think, okay, what do I actually want to achieve from the data that's being given to me? Is it just a pretty report from my leadership because I'm being asked for it? Or is there an action that's going to be taken from that data? And... Based upon that, you can then make sure you get the right data points to be able to make that decision. Okay, so I think first and foremost, you re clients really need to understand that. And, and that goes to, to Brandon's point just now, right? I think for, for, for people in, in Brandon's position, with experiences of different clients, you can maybe propose examples where certain, certain other uh, you know, companies have, have used the data to achieve certain goals. But I think the other side of the story here is, you know, there is a there is a, an argument to say that we should use AI to make decisions for problems we don't know exist today. Yeah. Okay. So, which is a, a whole different side side to the coin, right? Because at the moment, it's very easy to say, oh, well, this is a problem. I want to solve it, and data probably makes sense. But actually, there's probably a whole host of different issues that we're not aware of, and that's where AI and machine learning really comes into play. You know, James badges in every morning at nine a.m. One day he doesn't badge in at 9 a.m. Well, what's he doing? You know, why? You know, something odd going on there. And we can start to build those patterns and understand. 
you know, uh, laptop logs login in New York and badge transaction in London, while correlating those data sets, you start to realize that's wrong because they both belong to James and they're in different locations around the world. So what do we do with that after, you know, from, from that point forward? And that's something you wouldn't necessarily know or think about beforehand. So with regard to the data then that we're still, that we're, we're analyzing using artificial intelligence, surely it's not just current data. There must be a ton of stuff that we can you look at from a historical data right. point of view where we start applying artificial intelligence to look right. back over the data we've gathered over the last three or four years that will then start to identify challenges. The question then becomes, do I need to be able to program the artificial intelligence to look for the data, look through the data for the problem? And yeah, James or Sam, either of you can probably answer this. Or will the artificial intelligence or machine learning start identifying patterns within the data for me? And James had a great point earlier. There are two kinds of insights here. One, you know you need to know the building utilization numbers. And then you do something either with or without AI to get the insights corresponding to that. Then there are anomaly detection and other the second type of use cases where you don't know what you're looking for, but AI finds anomalies for you. It could be as simple as an anomalous badging behavior, or it could be a tailgating incident. You you might know that there's tailgating going on uh, across your facilities, but you don't know the number or the extent to which it's happening. Uh, using AI on video and then combining that with access control gives you insights on how bad the tailgating situation is uh, on your campus right now. And same with anomalous badging. Unless somebody, it, it's impossible for somebody to look at every single granted access event and check if it's a valid one or if it's happening at an anomalous time or at an anomalous door. For example, I could be a receptionist and I might, I might badge into the main door every day, but if I try badging into the IT closet on a Saturday, I mean, that, that's clearly anomalous, but unless somebody is looking at every single granted access event, it's hard to find uh, something uh, something like that out. That's where AI comes in. And there are AI tools out there like Hakimo that can detect many of these things out of the box without any additional training. But the more da historical data that you have, the better it is for the AI to learn patterns and better learn patterns. More data never hurts uh, from an AI standpoint. That's the takeaway. So if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, one of the things I might be able to do is let's say I've got people counting set up as a med a, 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 an analytic on the cameras, but then I've got my badging on my access control system and I set the AI to look back through the historical data and it says, well, in the last five years you had, I'm going to give you round figures here just for the sake of it, you had 10,000 people badge the door, but according to the people counting software, you had 30,000 people come into the building. There's clearly a problem here that needs to be addressed. You don't even technically need a separate people counting software. Like solutions like Hackimo can look at badging events and the video to, to say, oh, this person badged in, but there was three people following them. You know, there's a tailgating event, yeah. event there and, and can show that to you in real time so, and can potentially send an automated email to the, the person and maybe their manager and so on. Or the security operations and the staff can proactively, or can reach out to those individuals uh, over the phone or something like that. So. A lot of solutions out there today that can detect these things which would have otherwise gone unnoticed. Yeah. So Dustin, I imagine in your role, mm -hmm. you know, in security, one of the biggest challenges is always fighting for budget. We're always having to justify what we're doing to try and get always. more money for the things that we need to do. But if to take what we were talking about in this conversation today with using artificial intelligence to create actionable real world insights, if we use where we are right now, we're sitting in the Venetian casino. There's a whole range of things that go on in here. 
if you were able to use the CCTV system, for example, in conjunction with people counting, heat mapping and all the rest of it, to say to the operations people at this casino, hey, did you know that following whatever the star performer is, let's just say it's Elton John, different mm -hmm. casino, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, following Elton John, we can tell you that umpteen people always go directly from the performance to these three restaurants but not these two and the demographics of those people are typically males and females between the ages of 45 and 60 and you're able to give all these actionable insights to marketing marketing's going to say to you how the hell did you get this data you're going to tell them it's through the cctv system you're now making them money i'm tipping that they're going to chip in budget out of their marketing budget next time you need a security upgrade does that make your life easier as a security manager no it makes it busier yeah. i would think at that point because they're going to want you to look for more details and they're going to want you to look for more ways to make them money as well which is not a bad thing and it's a good thing because then you're going to you're going to find more ways to be profitable for the whole organization not just for security but for the whole team right yeah, but if your next security upgrade is being funded partially by your budget, partially by marketing's budget, and partially by operations budget, that's a good thing, surely. Oh, that's 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 an amazing thing. Yeah. So from a, a retail perspective, talking about video, um, there, there, again, I think this is where use cases really help paint the picture. Um, there's a there's we have the ability now to identify through heat mapping and, and other uh, algorithms to identify the product placement in retail stores that would then allow uh, an increase in sales. Yeah. Um, so everyone knows, you know, you put your fanciest things by the front window, that's what attracts people, you know, into the store. But then um, there are studies that will show uh, the area and location that you place your products can directly lead to an increase in sales and also an increase in time spent in the store. And again, that is, you know, actionable insights that you can get from your CCTV cameras that every retailer is installing, looking at the counter. But imagine um, being able to place additional cameras throughout the, the space of your building. And again, to your point, having marketing fund the installation of those devices, you're able to gain further situational awareness because you have better view of your space. Um, however, you're also able to provide that actionable data data back to the, the marketing team and being able to say, hey, you know, based on the information that we're gathering from our security systems, we're able to assist you with product placement that has a direct, again, direct impact on sales and, and people staying in the store, right? And then again, it's a cyclical effect where now there's additional revenue being generated and you're getting a bigger portion of that pie. Yeah. I think just to add to that as well, that applies to the corporate office, right? We've talked about improving user experience, trying to drive people back into the buildings. Well, in order to do that, you know, data can really help you. And one example could be, so there the are products out there which I would sort of class as the data warehouse for the physical world, okay? So it's almost like, I don't want to use the term digital twin, but it kind of recreates a, a physical room, right? You know, we could say this room that we're in here, there are many different data points that you can use to be able to analyze how that room is used. And you may find that, you know, you move the coffee machine from one corner of the room to another, and all of a sudden it doesn't get used so much anymore. You know, or there's a really comfy seating area in the corner, but, you know, actually nobody's ever sitting there. You know, and why is that? And, and you can start to understand, oh, okay, actually the wireless access point doesn't reach to that corner. So nobody's sitting there. Nobody's using that coffee machine because it's actually not on the walkway that takes them back from the bathrooms, whatever it may be. So starting to build a better perspective on what's happening inside space, which will improve the user experience is, you know, uh, pretty key and that obviously security data is one of those data points yep so understanding that we're we're sort of coming to the end of the allotted time for this one of the questions i wanted to ask is as a systems integrator typically what i will do is i will go into an organization 
I will install a bunch of cameras, access points, um, you know, intrusion detection systems and all the rest of it. I commission all of those. I do my walkthrough test. They all work fine. Why do I care about actionable insights? If the system works, why do I need to do anything with it? Yeah. So the security market has shifted. Um, being able to install devices is now a commodity. Um, there, there are so many more integrators out there now that are able to purchase the same equipment, install the same equipment. It's not, uh, it's not enough just to install devices anymore. It's about how do you provide further value to an end user and how do you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Again, speaking from an integrator's perspective, how do you differentiate yourself from any other installer that's out there? Again, it's not rocket science to pull cable and install devices. Uh, but again, if you're able to differentiate, if you have a staff that says, all right, now that we've installed this accurately, now that you're able to make sure that you're gain, you know, your system's clean, you're gathering the information that you need and let's take it to the next level where we're then able to automate some of those downstream functions. That's when you start talking about a, a paradigm shift from being a reactive industry to a proactive one. And, and that makes you incredibly sticky and competitive. Right. Which brings value to the business unit, which means that to the, the earlier point, Dustin, like that your business unit, your security business unit gets more budget from the company as a whole because you're bringing value to the business. So as an integrator, you can basically come to the, the client with that proposition. Hey, if we do X, Y, Z for you, not only is it better for you in general, but actually you're empowering the wider business, which in turn is going to build you a better relationship with the wider business, which is what you want. You're no longer just the bad guys, the security guys, but also they're going to start seeing that because you're bringing value, we want to give you more money. Right, which will allow you to conduct the wider security program that you want to achieve. And you start talking about when you start talking about bigger business functions like business planning, you know, just setting strategic goals, setting budgets for the next year. Again, oftentimes security is is kind of an afterthought, right? The, we're setting our, the you know C, CEO C suite send directives for the year, send the company goals, and then all right, here's a leftover amount of allotted money for you as a security department to then you know make sure that we're all safe in what we're securing. But what if instead you're now viewed as an integral part in the business being able to achieve those goals and you're earning yourself a spot at that table. So you're in the conversation when we're setting strategic goals, identifying how that we can work together within the, within the business to achieve those and, and security being viewed as a key point and a necessity to achieve that versus an afterthought of, hey, you keep us safe while we go and try to accomplish our goals. Yep. Okay, Sam, I'm sorry, you were going to jump in. No, I was saying, as an end user, yep. from the perspective of an end user, we're, we're getting those added questions, especially from compliance. We're getting asked those questions uh, from auditors as well, from, you know, not just from, from the integrator aspect, we're getting questions like, you know, do you have tailgating reports? Not just access reports, not just do you have video cameras, do you have retention 30 days, 90 days, 60 days? So now we're asking our integrators, can you provide us 30 days, 90 days, 60 days? Can you provide us tailgating? So with more integrators out there, he can't do it. I can go to a, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? There's so many out there. So from a, from an end user perspective, I have options. We're getting a little bit smarter from our aspect. So if you don't provide the value, I'll find someone that can, which helps us as well. Okay, great. Sam, I'm going to get you to help land this plane. Everyone who's listening to this at this point in time from security managers to systems integrators are probably thinking, okay, I'm sold. This sounds amazing. I want to be able to do all of these things. Where do I start? It depends on uh, you depends on evaluating where you are right now and then where, where, you, where you need to get to. And a simple solution is to like talk to talk to somebody like us, talk to our integrator, and evaluate which solutions would be the best fit for you. Like if you get a lot of nuisance alarms, if you if you if you worry about tailgating, we are a perfect fit uh, for for like, for somebody like that. And 
that's essentially it. Many of the uh, you can most you can work with integrators, uh, AI providers like us uh, to even do an assessment on hey, hey, these are our problems. What do you recommend? And integrators or solution providers like us can tailor made uh, can propose a tailor made solution for your uh, for your specific. Yeah, and I know James and you, Brendan, were talking earlier about, you know, if you're an integrator and you want to start being able to do this sort of stuff, you need to find people who specialise in SQL or you need yeah. to find data scientists. So maybe talk me through that piece a little bit. And, you know, if I'm an integrator in Australia and I want to be able to start doing some of these things, what kinds of people do I need to be looking for? I think that this is quite an interesting one. It's quite relevant to me, right? Because I'm an IT guy originally. Um, when I first came into the industry, I joined an integrator. And the reason I joined the integrator is because the integrator said to me, do you know what? It's going to be much easier for me to teach an IT guy security than teach a security guy IT. And I think over those past 15 years that I've been in the industry, it's very clear to see that the industry has changed in that way, right? It is no longer security, security, security. It is very much IT focused. And I think you will find, you know, look, looking at the way clients structure their security teams these days, Oftentimes, the security team sits within IT. It no longer sits independently in security. So for an integrator, I think as you're looking for a new skill set to join your business, you should actually be going and speaking with people who've done computer science degrees or similar, trying to entice them into the industry because that's the other challenge, right? You really need to try and explain the benefits and how, how great this industry is to, to computer science people. But if you can do that, then training them on the security piece is going to be much easier and it'll bring great value to your business. Yeah. And Brendan, you were mentioning the, the importance of being able to find good data scientists to help you extrapolate and draw out the information that you need. Yeah, exactly. I think James hit the nail on the head. So the the profile of a security professional is drastically changing. Um, you know, the industry itself is diversifying. You're seeing new initiatives pop up every day to help, you know, get young people in the industry, get women in the industry, get people with different backgrounds and, and skills and experience. Um, from a recruiting aspect, I think the other thing that James said is really important is there's a wealth of individuals within the IT industry that have applicable skills now for security. Um, we're no longer a siloed industry that only works in a specific um, environment. It's a, a quickly evolving and growing sector uh, where people, there, I would say two skill sets are in high demand. I think the first one is people that are able to mine data, data miners or data scientists, people with SQL backgrounds, database admins um, are, are now a must. And then the second are individuals that have a networking background. So someone that's able to understand um, ports, communications, how networks are configured. All of our devices are IP now, our access control systems sit on the network, our video camera system sit on the network as well. So whether you're an integrator or end user, you need to make sure that you're armed with at least those two individuals. I understand that there's a lot of integrators out there that are smaller that aren't able to make that immediate upfront investment, but there's a way to upskill or, or you know further develop the skill set of your current engineering team. And you can do it uh, by having your customers fund it. And by that, I mean, um, there are plenty of contractors out there um, or professional service organization that, spe that specialize in this set of skills. And so if you're able to you know, work with a customer um, on a project that requires these skills, you can subcontract that specific piece and pair them with one of your engineers. And surely, you know, after the first job, your engineers aren't going to be an experts, but after the third, fifth, 10th deployment, um, they'll start to pick up a lot of those skills. So again, it's a way for you to, you know, uh, increase the skill set of your engineering team while not bearing those direct costs. Fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. It's been fantastic chatting to you and uh, look forward to catching up with you at the next conference. Thank you Thanks. very much. Take care.
And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more like this one in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, uh, the Google Play Store, and all the other great places that you can find amazing podcasts. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Have a great day.